With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From the Ron Miller Race Car Studio, this is the Hammer Down Racing Report. And now your hosts, Scott Hammer and Ron Miller. Hello and welcome to the Hammerdown Racing Report. Show Technical no- difficulties, don't don't ask. Show number uh, 48 for Thursday, August 30th. Two seconds before we're going to go on, Ron jumps down and I don't know what you're doing over there. Y'all, y'all I, I, was, I was changing my earphone plug to a different outlet. Can you hear? I can. All right. On the show tonight, we have uh, Craig Mintz, who's leading the points at uh, Fremont Speedway in the 410 Sprints, and uh, had a pretty exciting finish uh, at Attica this past weekend. We'll talk to him more about that and get his thoughts uh, on that uh, finish uh, as well, coming up a, a little bit later. First, got to pay some bills. Once again, uh, Ron Miller Race Cars. We're in the Ron Miller Race Car Studio. We are. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. We need to do a better job branding it, though, because it's got all this other stuff doesn't really say you know we probably need to put something in front of that camera over there that lets people know where we're at i could actually probably just put your logo in the thing but that's another deal but anyways uh give ron a call for race car parts safety equipment service anything a racer needs 734-856-7223 his shop conveniently located just across the uh, border in michigan and i want to say temperance but i'm always wrong Lambertville. Okay, Lambertville. Technically, they're all the same. Te- technically, technically, we're in Ottawa Lake, Whiteford Center but, Road, just like a but, mile north of the border. But the, but the Lambertville Post Office services us, so uh, you know, you, you're by the airport. That's up there. We are. We are. You know, people are identifying as things other than what they are. We uh, we identify as Lambertville, even though we're not. Stearns uh, and Whiteford Center Road. Yes, that that's us. We'll go with that. Do you still have the uh, two-for-one deal? On you know, the we do. There, there's still a few left in inventory, and uh, it's a great deal. It really is. Those were the all-star whatever. All-star aluminum radiators, uh, single pass, double pass, uh, several different sizes. You buy one, you get one free, uh, and they're trying to introduce – actually, they're trying to reintroduce – all-star is trying to reintroduce – uh, the aluminum radiators with the plastic tanks, and they want to show everybody that there's no problem with them. So All Star is putting their money where their mouth is. Buy one, get one free. Was there a problem with them before? No, there is no problem. Uh, people just, oh, plastic. Oh, that's scary. It's not. They're really very, very durable. Right. At some point, I think I would rather have plastic with heat than aluminum anyway. Well, according to All Star, they are 6% more efficient and... I don't know, a thousand percent lighter. I, I don't. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but but they are significant the technical specs. Yeah, they are significantly lighter. Uh, visit the Hammer Down Racing Report, Hammer or Hammer Down Racing Report dot com if you Scott, would like forty eight uh, times shirt. Yeah, this is show number forty eight. Right. So yeah, we were just talking to Craig here about uh, we've been doing this for almost a year now. That's pretty exciting, yeah. and it doesn't seem like it. Uh, well, I don't know about that. Uh, coming up uh, later on the show, 
Uh, Ryan Weekman with the uh, weekend weather pit stop. Uh, pretty decent uh, forecast. I think we're okay. No, there's some spoilers there. Uh, also, uh, the record report, uh, it's, it's going to be coming back at some point. It just hasn't yet. I heard that. But uh, I'm just, we'll keep teasing that along. I don't know if you... you What's the record the, report? Oh, boy. Oh, no. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's... Sometimes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well... Yeah, we'll just leave it go at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I might still have one in there. It might be the last one. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a repeat uh, record report It's tonight. like a throwback. You know, yeah, NASCAR's yeah, yeah. doing a throwback. We can do a throwback. So. Before we went on the air, we were talking about Tony Stewart, so it would only be fitting. Yeah, it's still there. I think that's All I right. think that's the one. Well, well, we're going to have a record report later tonight. Awesome. It'll be a, a repeat, but well worth it. Last weekend, uh, Saturday night tracks, other than Mansfield, uh, had uh, pretty much uh, gotten rained out around here. Oakshade, Waynesfield, Raceway Park, both rained out. Uh, Attica Raceway Park uh, had some uh, pretty good uh, action going on. Exciting finish to the Mark Keegan Classic Championship Night 410 Sprint feature. Travis Philo out of uh, Waterville. Getting the win there, and uh, Craig here, Craig Mintz out of Gibsonburg, came up uh, just short, I guess, sort of, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. But we'll talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about that in detail. Uh, nice, it was an exciting, wild finish. Uh, you guys got together, and he's kind of, he didn't really flip, but kind of hit the wall and spun around. Did a little pirouette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a pretty crazy finish. It was exciting. Uh, probably one of the best finishes uh, this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a fan standpoint, from a fan standpoint, <laughs> it, had it be, was a, it was a good. I mean, that's what we get paid for is excitement. Right? It, it had to be kind of expensive on the racer end. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. Uh, Stuart Brubaker out of uh, is it Helena? He's actually out of Gibsonburg now. Is he out of Gibsonburg? Okay. Yeah, he uh, was uh, awarded the championship. He won the championship there mm-hmm. at uh, Attica for the four tens, um, and he finished third in the race behind that crazy yeah. action there. You ended up uh, third in points, right? Yeah, we ended up third. Uh, we struggled there early on um, the season. I think our first three shows, we didn't finish in the top ten. I, don't, I honestly don't think. So we got off to a slow start. And um, Attica doesn't have a lot of point shows throughout the season. We got a lot of, you know, the World of Outlaws and, you know, the All-Star shows are just show-up points. So if you don't uh, score well early, you're in trouble. Well, you finished with a bang. Yep. At least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> Uh, that was, uh, Brubaker's, uh, first 410 track championship. Paul Weaver won the 305 feature. That was his, uh, fourth win of the year. His third straight, uh, uh, 305 division title too, as well. So he's from out your way too, isn't he's he? He's out from Fremont. Um, okay. you know, he's been around for a long, I mean, he's got to be pretty close to, if not the all-time winning as 305 guy. Um, I mean, he's won a he's lot. He's been doing it for a while he's too. Won, he's won a lot of, you know, and, and he does it on a shoestring budget it's not that you know he bolts a new right rear on every night he doesn't have nine crew members um you know he's got you know daniel and his wife and a few other people but um i mean they do a lot with very little brad strunk uh was the winner of the mini sprint feature i guess he uh, dominated that yeah toledo speedway uh was in action mike young won the uh, late model sportsman feature friday night as uh howard kelly jr was crowned the track champion um 17-year-old Ethan Stad... Do, huh? do it. You Go s- ahead. No, you, you got this one. Stadnachuk. Thank you. He uh, won the factory stock feature and uh, was the division champ as well. So pretty good at 17 years old. Nice family, too. They really are. I can change their last name to, like, Jones, maybe. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, Just that, like, like the Gumby Boys? Yeah, there you go. 
what would he? We'll come up with some. Dave Lambert won the uh, boat figure eight, uh, and Samurai Sam Mills won the school bus figure eight. Next race uh, at Toledo Speedway will be the Glass City 200, which is the final event of the season at uh, Toledo. And that's on Saturday, the 15th of September. Mansfield Motor Speedway was in action. Uh, of course, the Dirt Million, which uh, made some history there. Second highest paying dirt race ever to uh, the Eldora Million in uh, 2001. See, that was the one that... Uh, right. That yeah. Donnie Moran won that uh-huh. one. Uh, Earl Pearson uh, Jr. was the winner Saturday night, pocketing $203,000. Again, the second highest paying dirt race. So that's not too bad. That's that pretty, kind of, I'm, I'm sure that I'd made be happy his, with that. That made his season. I know it did. I mean, I wouldn't turn down 200 grand, you know, <laughs> if I won a race. Um, is it is the million dollar one that Donnie Moran won? Is that still why they? Does he still have that nickname, the Million Dollar Man? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if that stuck or if that was for no, like it, a couple it, deal. You know, he, no, it's it's deal. still him. Jonathan uh, Davenport and Daryl Lanigan were the Dirt Million Duel winners on Friday night at Mansfield. Next up for the uh, Lucas Oil Series is Ponderosa Speedway in Kentucky. That's tomorrow night, Portsmouth uh, Raceway Park on Saturday, and Tyler County Speedway in West Virginia on Sunday for the Hillbilly 100. That's a big deal, too. Yeah. Race, Race with an awful lot of history. I need to catch up on my late model racing. Is Tyler County, where is that at? That's one with a bull on the logo. I do know that, I think. Because I was talking to uh, Dome, who was from West Virginia. Zach. Zach Dome, when he was here at Oakshade for the uh, Summer Nationals, because I always go down to West Virginia mm-hmm. f- every year for a whitewater rafting trip, and I thought, you know, it'd be cool to catch a dirt trap. I don't know where any tracks are down there. Yeah. He's like, there's one right off of, uh, I don't even know what the highway is. 23? <laughs> no. Se- 71. 71 okay. sounds right. Whatever goes north yeah, from Charleston rolls through in to there. Ravenswood or something, it's right off of there, I guess. So, I don't know if it was Tyler County, though. Maybe it was. Anyways, hmm. World of Outlaw Craftsman uh, Sprint Car Series. Brad Sweet got win number five at Black Hills Speedway in uh, South Dakota on Friday. Darren Pittman uh, earned win number six at Big Sky Speedway in Montana on Saturday. Those guys were way out there. Did you? Did you? Any of you guys happen to catch the photo of, of what they were capturing out there at Big Sky? No. The backdrop of, like, if you're sitting in the stands is literally the mountains. And it's right off the back stretch. There's nothing in the view, and it's just beautiful landscaped and mountains and race cars. It's it's like I would imagine a, it's a photographer's perfect image. I'd imagine. Bet you they their photographer is pretty lucky then. Probably get some pretty cool pictures mm-hmm. with the mountains in the background. I mean, we maybe we need some mountains drawn around here. Yeah, just put that on the fence or something. People don't need to see through that, right? Um, where was I? Hard telling. Series travels to Washington uh, this weekend for the Outlaw Energy Showdown at Skagit Speedway. I just like the way that sounds, Skagit. Have you heard of that? I have. have okay. I have not. Yeah. It's a uh, matter of fact, I think that was on, the only reason I know of it is because it was on one of the, I think, the Sprint Car Rat Bag game in 2002. I think that I was the that. only reason why I've <laughs> ever heard of that racetrack. Maybe that's why I've heard of it. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's Friday and Saturday, and then uh, they're on to Gray's Harbor uh, mm-hmm. Raceway, also in Washington, uh, on Monday, and then uh, Willamette Speedway in Oregon on Wednesday. So they're they're really getting out there, out, out in Casey Kane country. Yeah, that's that's a lot of travel. That is. At least they're north now and not north in two months. So why did Casey Kane come to race around here when there's those tracks out there? The hotbed. Huh? I mean, you come. I mean, you're near Indy. 
You know, I mean, I know that was a big thing, um, and it's closer to the the East Coast where NASCAR country is. You get I remember out. when he was a kid, like mm-hmm. 17, he was racing at Flag City Motorsports Park in Findlay when I was working there. Yeah. Like, why is this kid from Enumclaw, Washington, racing in Ohio? <laughs> yeah, I got pictures of him and I at Attica um, when he was in a 23 car a um, couple times. And, um, you know, I, I imagine that's why you come out here, just because, you know, it's no different than, you know, how Ray Havernam sees you, and there you go. It uh, doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, as that happens, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, this is and true. there's probably not the quality of competition in Skagit, Oregon, or Washington. Well, you just made a bunch of enemies in there. Skagit. That's, that's okay. Is that the name of a town? Yes, it is. I'd imagine. Got to be pretty close to something out there. Yeah. Uh, All Star Circuit of Champions action. Uh, Aaron Rutzel out of Clute, uh, Texas, won last Thursday. A week ago tonight. And that was at uh, Grandview Speedway. Freddie Raymer uh, picked up the win at Williams Grove on Friday night. That's uh, uh, part of that. Uh, twin 25s? Uh, well, yeah. Well, twin uh, 20s, but uh, he's part of the uh, Pennsylvania Posse, I, yep. I do believe. He is. And, he uh, is. Jack Gunn won the, uh, or I'm sorry, no, it's the Jack Gunn Memorial Twin 25s. Gotcha. Uh, Jim Siegel was the winner of the second uh, okay. 20 lap there. Another Posse. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, and the famed Pennsylvania Posse is, remains undefeated, apparently, at Williams Grove when taking on all-star competitors. I did not know that. They're 35-0. and 0. That's I, know, a, I, know, I know you've been talking about how big the Pennsylvania you know, Posse is. We were is, talking but. about that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Scott, and uh, they're tough. They really are. Have you faced uh Yeah, I went over there, and it's humbling. It's um, humbling. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I went over there when I traveled with the All-Stars in 2007 and 2008, um, and I remember... We had a four-race weekend. We went to Bedford. We went to Williams Grove. We went to Lincoln, and I think we went to Port Royal. Um, we we really ran well at Lincoln. We ran fourth. So here I was, you know, oh yeah, this is this isn't that bad. And I believe we went to Williams Grove the next night, and um, you know we're we're sitting in line, and uh, you know we're probably fourth or fifth to go in. And no, 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 you're not. They let their locals in first, and you sit there <laughs> and wait until all the locals are in, and then you're going to park out in the middle of nowhere and uh, matter of fact i believe we parked off outside of the infield um i don't even think we were allowed to be in the infield and um i believe we ran 12th or 13th in the c main um and it was a struggle uh those guys over there they have everything down perfect um they know how to get around them places um and it's no different than when those guys come to attica um you know very rarely up until when I seen Stevie Smith come in and win. Do they make them wait at Attica and say, oh, no, you guys got to wait? No, no, no. <laughs> you got to park out in the back nine. It was just, it, they love their locals over there, and, and but it's really, it's healthy. You know, it's healthy for the sport. It's it's that, you know. It's a cool little it's rivalry. It's the versus. It's a rivalry. You know, anybody that comes in as an out-of-towner, you know, you're an out-of-towner. If you're a po- you know posse, you're there. If you're an outlaw, if you're an all-star, you know, it, the fans love it, and that's what brings them back all the time. And, and, you know, they got something great over there, and, you know, eventually, hopefully, we have that, you know, here in Ohio someday. The Ohio outlaws? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Pennsylvania Posse just sounds it so just cool. It's perfect. But, yeah, we don't yeah. we we don't really had a the whole Ohio thing. I mean, it turned into the fast deal versus the All Stars, and and it still is a little bit, but it's nowhere near. I mean, they make T-shirts, and you know they have the Beer Hill Gang, and you know all those guys. You know, I mean that's what they do. I mean they love it. 
That's fun. Do they do they actually treat uh, you know the racers themselves? Do they treat uh, oh, you guys with respect? And yeah, everything? yeah. There's They're no cool there's no it. disrespectfulness, okay. but you can you know it's just like a rivalry. It's Ohio State Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it, it's. I would actually put it almost on that level. I mean, it's definitely for me. It, it's not that important, but um, you know, you can really tell. You know, when the outlaws are there, you can really tell. You know, the night that uh, I, I, if I remember right, Freddie Raymer beat the outlaws at Lincoln, and I think I remember just this year, and Fred Raymer's riding the bumper of his son's to victory lane, you know, and, and you can hear the place going nuts. Oh, I'll bet. And and it's just the second generation of a rivalry that's racing against, you know, the second generation of World of Outlaws. And it, it it's really cool, and, and I, you know, somewhat envy sometimes what they have, you know, because of that. You know, I, I like being part of a rivalry. I like being the underdog or the, you know, the guy that's supposed to win. So, so where does that... Uh... Where's the line between the Pennsylvania Posse? And, you know? Um, well, you, you is have there a track like in between somewhere that's like middle there, ground? Um, maybe Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. I, I mean, but you get to Sharon, Mercer, you know, those places like that. Tri City, that's Western Pennsylvania, so it's a completely different type of racing. Um, and it's not nothing against the Western PA guys because they have the same you know equipment and the same you know there, but it's just different. Um, and, and there's a line, you know, halfway through the state. And then there's a line, another side of it, that's right through Ohio that separates Western Pennsylvania and Ohio. And then you have the same thing when you go into Indiana, then it turns into non-wing and then the non-wing line stops in Iowa. A lot of territorial. Yeah. And it, it, it is, but, um, you know, there's not very many times though. And I wish there was more of it that we would go into different territorials. Um, you know, and, and do a deal, you know, we're, we've started to get something in Ohio where it's the North versus, versus the South, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I like doing that, you know, it kind of gives a little rivalry between the South and the North. So. All right, let's finish up uh, this yeah. all-star stuff here real quick. Uh, Carson, uh, Macedo mm-hmm. out of, uh, Lamar, California, he was the winner at, uh, Lincoln Park Speedway or Lincoln Speedway, excuse me, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, Mr. Stewart, as uh, we were talking about a little yeah. bit earlier, he uh, he picked up a, mm-hmm. a feature win. That was uh, at uh, BAPS Motor Speedway. And, and first, he, and, first and, all-star win in over a year for. And he gave Mr. a lot Stewart. of credit to Donnie Shots for his win. So that that was pretty cool. And mm-hmm. how many how many wins the Shots have this year? Ooh, <sighs> lost count. I don't know if I have enough fingers and toes for how many wins he's had, but uh, yeah. And we were just talking about his uh, the T-shirt sales uh, issue, yeah. which we had mentioned, was it even before the season? It must have been last spring where Stewart was banned from uh, bringing his uh, mm-hmm. merchandise trailer to World of Outlaw events because he wasn't racing full-time in the series, and then he couldn't put it, and you were telling me he still can't put his uh, his merchandise in with Donnie Schatz's merchandise. Yeah, it, it, it's a mess. I, I mean, I get it to a certain point, but I don't get it in another certain point. There's a fine line there, and I think that they need do, to work do, something do, out. Do you think it has to do with the fact that Stewart has the, the All-Star Series? No, I, I honestly think it's just because, you know, merchandise, a lot of people and a lot of fans don't understand it is, is it's a big income for these full-time World of Outlaw guys. I mean, I would, and I don't know the numbers because I'm not a World of Outlaw guys, but those guys, I mean, it's fully on them to buy T-shirts and to sell T-shirts. Um, you know, and if you've seen the price of a T-shirt lately and you know what a T-shirt costs, they're making pretty good money on it. Um, now, if somebody, 
you know, the, the, the series protects one another. That's why you join a series. You are there as a group to protect one another. Um, so when you travel, you travel together, you work together, and, and you do that. So I get some of their point of not having a, an invader in there taking away sales of their T-shirts. You know, it'd be nothing for me to sit there a little. Would it really be taking away, though? I mean, you're the, gonna go the, buy your favorite driver's shirt. But the way they look at it is, is the outlaws only normally go to a racetrack once a year, twice a year, maybe four or five times if you're Williams Grove. So, so they if, may be looking at, oh, I like this guy so and if, this guy. If which you know. I have an opportunity to buy, let's just say, a Brad Sweet shirt over a Craig Mintz shirt. I'm gonna go buy a a, a Brad. Oh, I wouldn't shirt. do that. Well, no. but you, the average fan <laughs> would. And then what they see is if they go buy mine, it took. It took twenty five dollars out of their pocket, and that's what they live on. I get it, but I don't. I, I think there should be a leniency. Um, I, I mean, I've come up with the idea that I would love to have a t shirt deal between Fremont and Attica, to where we have a, you know, um, you know, buy a van, you know, and anybody who has t shirts within Attica and Fremont, as long as you race there weekly, we put them in these this van. Um, and it's like a van for yeah, all the drivers. It's, it's a full fast van. Um, and then we pay a dollar or two per shirt per, that's sold. And then they take it up there and get it in front of, cause you know, my wife does it and, and it's not, it's not fun. You sit up there and hot in the sun for two or three hours and you sell four t-shirts. Yeah. It, it, it gets everything out, but it's not the point. I think if we could do that, you know, it makes sense, but it's an interesting idea. So there, there's, there's ways I think that you could charge, you know, per t-shirt sold or something like that. That goes right back to the world of outlaws. I think there's some way that I think that they can work it out, but it's the matter everybody of, gets their share. Yeah. But I think it, it's a matter of protection to the world of outlaw guys. And I, and I see, but I see Tony's point too, because I want to sell t-shirts too, because you know, that's what our T-shirt sales this year buy our T-shirt sales next year. I mean, a lot of the people, you know, for me to shell out, you're looking at T-shirts. If I buy 300 of them, I mean, you're looking at 3500 bucks. you know, for me to fork out right, right away. And for a That's little, your investment. That's my investment. Yeah. You, know, you need to make that back. And I need to at least make that yeah. back, and then next year we do the same thing. So I get people that, you know, would like to do that. So eventually i hope that they they come up with some rule that even if they put us in a different area or if they charge us per t-shirt sold and we have to keep track i'm fine with all that i just think that they would you wouldn't need to let us sell it besides out of our trailer wasn't uh wasn't it last year that kyle larson came out and said something about how he makes more off of his uh sprint mm. merchandise uh sales that than he does from his cup because the cup or the nascar guys you know they take everybody's got their hands i guess in that uh, where he pretty much gets all of the 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 money for for the sales from the sprint car merchandise yeah i mean i would imagine anything with his name on it he gets a percentage of it and you know him driving if you look at what they make a race it can't be very much to what you know their endorsements and stuff of that nature i'm, I'm sure is where they get it so those guys are very protective of their names um and you know how people make money on it oh you know, absolutely the, the, i mean i would too i mean that's that's your living and it's your name of somebody else making money on on your you know your name i wonder if tony stewart uh if if there's any ego that comes into play there uh he's got no ego yeah what are you I, i'm about? i'm tony stewart why can't i sell my shirts I, and i think tony had a gripe too is i have a team that runs full time you know what I support you. 
So support me back. I think that's oh, some absolutely. of it. He's a team owner. Yeah, I mean, he's a team owner and, you know, a past champion team owner. It's not like he's a, you know, a team owner that just comes every now and then. He's not. He's just uh, not there to try and sell his team. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I think there's a fine line of, of they need to sit down and hash it out and, and get it fixed. And, and But there's, I think, a, enough of the pie for everybody. I think NASCAR would want a cut of the pie on Rick Hendrick t-shirts. Well, but they're um, not going to tell him he can't sell them. I'll bet they would. You think so? I'll bet they would tell him he can't sell shirts at their events. I don't know. About I think that. that's probably why they, if you ever noticed all NASCARs like Hendrick, uh, Junior Motorsports, they all have online stores and stores at their shop. If you go down to Mooresville, North Carolina, which we visited, they have st- shops you can literally walk in and buy everything right there. I mean, that's probably how they get around it. Um, but I, I don't know. I've, to be honest with you, I've... I don't think I've ever been to an NASCAR race, but to one. There's lots of trailers, lots of merchandise, yeah. and, and official and unofficial oh, yeah. trailers. Yeah. But speaking of online, yep. go to HammerdownRacingReport.com. You can get uh, the official Hammerdown Racing Report Absolutely. <laughs> from there. And that's the only place, unless uh, this deal with the year, right, we could throw yeah. some T-shirts yeah. that way. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, anyways, Craig Mintz in the studio with us, uh, 410 Sprint Driver. And uh, leading the points at Fremont, you got one more point race uh, left there, and you had a pretty exciting uh, race last weekend at uh, uh, Attica. But before we get to that, give us a little bit of background on Craig Mintz and your racing career and how you've gotten to where you're at right now. Okay. Um, Well, my father ran AMA motocross uh, when I was little. Uh, I think he ran on me even in the mid-'90s. Um, and then it got to the point to where he was done racing, um, and then I um, I wanted to go motocross racing because I loved it. I ran, I mean, I would run mini bikes and I'd run it out of gas. It'd be the only way I'd get off because I was so small. Um, and then mom was like, "It's either four wheels or no wheels." So I pretty much said, "Okay, we'll go go kart racing." So I started go karts probably at four or five. Um, ran them until I was thirteen. Um, sold everything and bought a, a sprint car. Um, I grew up around them, you know, with a couple of friends down the road, uh, Dick List guy, who's, you know, in the hall of fame at Fremont Speedway. And, and, uh, so I really want to do it. And I grew up watching Johnny Bieber and Byron Reed and those guys. And, and, uh, you know, we traded everything and I walked into Fremont Speedway and Jim Ford was there and I told him how old I was and kind of told him I was 16 and here I was 15. Um, I got in trouble with that a couple of weeks later. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and started racing, uh, ran 305s for two years, um, and then um, in the 410s, uh, Dick Sable gave us a ride for the first two and a half, three years, um, and then we bought everything he owned because he wanted out, um, and then ran locally, you know, up until 2007, 2008. When uh, did you get into a, a 410? Uh, 2002. So I ran so 2000. You've been, you've yeah, been doing. You've been at it for a while. Yeah, we've been. You know, 18 years total, 16 years uh, in the 410 division. Um, so I've been around. Um, you know, a lot of guys look at me, and I'm still kind of the younger guy. But I, you know, when we ran 305s, we still ran it with manual steering. You know, so that's quite a while ago. Um, you wouldn't even think about doing that now. No front wing. Yeah, no front wing. Um, you Three, start a, a for real three hundred five block. Yes, it wasn't just you know you could build the, sh- the 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 engine in your shop and be competitive. You know the, those days now are are, are long gone. Um, we started on the back stretch at Attica, um, which I keep trying to get them to do a throwback night, um, where we start on a back stretch where the three hundred fives don't have front wings and just something different. 
Um, it's something, you know, I've kind of come up with, but, uh, you know, 2007, 2008 ran with the all-stars for a little bit. Uh, and then my dad got in a motorcycle accident. How'd you uh, do, uh, how'd you do with the all-stars? Um, we did fairly well. Um, I, it, when we dropped off, we didn't make a full season either, either year. Um, we were going to run the full season in 2007. Um, and we were committed to it, but we were, was literally three or four hours away from heading out, to, um, out West right before the Knoxville nationals. So right when they go, I believe they run Peevely and, and we, and Wisconsin beforehand. My dad went on a motorcycle accident and, and got really injured. And uh, on the street or a racing? No, on the street. Okay. Um, and that put it on hold for me for, you know, that whole season. So, um, and then 2009, we took, we ran a few races and then since then just been running locally. And then 2009, the fast series came out. Um, and that's really kept me local just because it, it pays so well, um, you know, to run the two racetracks you're going to run anyway. Um, you know, and it's something that I've, I've, you know, kind of gotten used to. You've gotten comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I love traveling. Um, but with my, with my job and, and my dad's with the businesses, we don't have time. Um, I don't have time to take off like they, you know, the all-stars did this week. They took off on Wednesday and drove that, to that New York, to the, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Seems I, to be the common theme, you know, people have jobs. <laughs> yeah. It kind of gets in the way. In the all-stars used to be a 40-hour working week series. That's what they made them for, um, and that's long gone, um, you know, and, I, and it's no fault of one or the other. Those guys do it for a living. I mean, that's what they do, um, and, and we just can't do that. Um, I would love to, and I think we have the equipment to, um, you know, and I have the crew to, but everybody on my crew works 40 hours plus a week too. So, um, you know, we just, we just can't and, and staying local, but the, the funds are there, you know, the, the way they pay, um, if, if the fast series and in the way the racetracks paid, if it wasn't what they're doing now, the locals wouldn't be around much longer just because the cost has went through the roof. Um, and the purses, if we didn't have the extra bonus of the fast, is not going up. So, do you take uh, the week off for the uh, Ohio Sprint Speed Week, or do you I, run that at I all? I used or? to, um, and then it got to the point to where there was no point fun, and then it was like, why? <laughs> I mean, you you get to Wednesday and Thursday, and you're on your fifth day, sixth day, and and you're like. This is awful. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you're a driver and you show up with a helmet, yeah, this is awesome. You know, I get 40% and, you know, we're racing nine straight days. This is awesome. This is a heck of a payday. If you're a crew member and you've blown a motor or you destroyed a race car and you're up at 3 a.m. and you're in southern Ohio and tomorrow at 4 o'clock, you got to be back in Attica or in Lima. It's rough. Um, you know, and, and so there's two sides to it. Um I really enjoy Speed Week because, you know, they get to race right around here. And you go, we go to Attica. We went to Wayne, you know, uh, Waynesfield. Um, and back when they used to run Fremont, we'd go there twice. So we still enjoy it, and I still run part of it. But uh, it, I want to commit to it again to do one or two more weeks of doing it, but uh, just not right now. All right. Well, uh, last weekend we've been talking about this, touching on it, I guess, uh, so far, about uh, the wild finish at Attica on uh on friday night with uh, travis philo why don't you walk us through uh what describe it in your own words what happened we had the video posted on our facebook page so we're familiar with what what, what happened and and i'll be honest uh, the more i look at the video the worse it looks um as in it looked looked like i honestly just ran through him um i felt during the races um you know it uh it was during the the actual event i felt like it was better 
Um, I felt like I had more room. Um, he'd be the first one to tell you that uh, he was running out of fuel. So the closing speed to him, to me, was a lot faster than I expected. Um, you know, even going into the last lap, I didn't expect to even have a shot at it. Um, and coming out of two, he, you know, he'd been running on the top for the first, you know, the last four or five laps. So I went in thinking I'm going to run the bottom. Well, he went to the bottom and the top was the fastest way around. And I got a really good run, came off a four. For what I, from what I heard from his interview, he changed up his line to take that away from you. Yeah. And, and he, and he actually said afterwards that he ran, was running on a fuel because it's the shortest way around and he was just hoping to get to the finish line. And, and I, you know, totally agree. And, and I'll be the first one to say it's more fault to me than it was really anybody. Um, it was more of a misjudgment of how close and how quick I was closing on him. Um, but it got to the point to where I was between the wall and, and in the right rear. And if I lifted, I didn't win a race. I didn't have a shot at it. If I didn't lift, we bumped tires, I have a shot at winning. Um, if that's two laps beforehand, and in, and the video doesn't show it, but there was, it happened three or four laps in a row um, where I had that run and, and just couldn't get by him, and I lifted. And I've always, you know, kind of said that if I'm coming out of four and it's for the win, I'm not going to lift. I mean, that's what they pay a race car driver for is Absolutely. to win. Um, you tear equipment up, you tear equipment up. And, and I feel bad for what happened, but, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, you look back at it and say it's two guys racing for the win and we just so happen to be in the same spot. It looked so. like looked like you guys were just going for that same the same race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he came from the, the he came from the bottom and and was headed to the flag stand, and I came off the top and was pointed already at him, and it just uh, was something that you know happens, and and uh, I don't want it to happen all the time, but um, like I said, I, I'm gonna if you give me that shot ten out of ten times, I'm gonna do it ten times. No, so. I, I thought I saw one of the videos. Uh, you walked up to him afterwards. Uh, what'd you guys? What'd you say? Um, I first thing I was just making sure it was all right. I mean, I I didn't get to see because I ended up by the time our car settled down, I was in turn one and two, so I didn't get to see how bad his was. I knew he hit hard, um, and so I kind of was more checking on who he, how he was, and then to explain to him, look, you had you know coming to the checkered, I'm gonna be there especially if you went to the bottom. And I said, you went to the bottom, gave me the free lane. Um, he agreed to it. Um, you know, there wasn't any, you know, no big deal things. You could tell he was very upset with me. Um, but And he has every right to at a certain point. But at that point, I, I can't, uh, you know, sit back and, and, and lift and, and be bullied my entire racing career. No, if, if you give them a lot of room uh, coming to the checker, they'll think you like it and uh... – it happens regularly. Yeah, I mean, and and it's the the thing that a lot of people get and read into it deeper and deeper is is me and Travis have had of history um, throughout our racing career of of doing you know getting into it or or being race we race hard against one another. That's what we've been our entire lives. Um, and I think it's the the more people see it, they just you know oh it's those two guys again, and you know just we just and Travis is getting much faster and we're getting faster and, and now it's just for wins rather than third so like you said well and rivalries are good and you may do something for the win that you wouldn't do for third oh yeah i mean if that's coming down for second or third or even fourth or on back i'm lifting 100 percent. i won't even think about it um you know but when it's coming to the checkers and and there's a difference of a couple thousand dollars on the line you might tear up a thousand dollars worth of equipment but it's the win i watched and rewatched the video of, of that at finish how did they determine that 
strictly by transponders? Yeah, and and I believe that's how it goes um, at Attica Raceway Park is 100% on on transponder of what it reads. Unless during the race a transponder goes down, uh, then I believe it goes on to manual scoring, which I believe they still do manual scoring. Most most tracks do. They still do, but I believe the transponder trumps. Um, And a transponder difference was (laughs) 0.02. Seconds. Well, he he was turned around backwards. Could, could and, that have anything to do with the fact that he was going the wrong way well, across and, the finish line? And, and that's the thing about it is, is if you look visually, we were across the stripe. Your first. nose was there's there's no ahead. question about it. Nobody can deny that. Even Travis can deny that. But his rear wheels but were ahead of your rear rear wheels. His transponder was in front of our yeah. transponder due to the location of the race car. Um, the our transponder is mounted all the way in the back under the rear torsion tubes as well as his, is it's a mandatory location. So as him going across backwards, even though mine finished in front of his, if you were to put our tires together, his would still be legitimately probably six feet in front of ours. Um, it, because it, he was going the wrong because way. Because he was going the wrong way. Now, do I believe we should have won? There's a, there's a part of me that says yeah, but there's a part of me that says no, um, because it's a rule. It's what we live by. I think maybe that's a rule that needs to be looked at, or not because it's so hard. Because if you do that in a photo finish, nobody can, unless it's blatantly obvious. But you know, one, I don't think I would have wanted to win a race like that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to win a race like that. That's just the way it is. But two, you know, we go by the rules of the transponders. We spend the money on the transponders. We buy the money, and we have all the equipment. The racetracks buy it all. You know, if you would have did that twenty years ago, we win. You know, because it's done by the flagman or the guy standing behind it. The technology of today is has changed things. It has. Um, you know, so I, I still think we ran second. Um, that's the rules. Um, you know, I go by what Attica stands, you know, what they say. And I didn't argue. I didn't question anything at the racetrack. Because, I mean, at that point, I had kind of already knew we were pretty close. Um, and then when the video came out, I didn't didn't question them. I didn't you know say hey we need to change this. It, it's not the way it should be done. Um, you know whatever Brian Aliskai announced who was the winner that was the winner. Um, unless he was light at the scales, but at that point, how do you scale a race car that's like that? So you know it just turned into a let's just take our second. You take your first. Let's go home and rebuild a race car and, and go racing next week. Now where do you stand in points at Attica? Third. 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 Yeah, so we actually were easy we were easy, time. man. We were uh, we were fourth uh, going into the night, um, and then um, we passed Cap Henry. I think we beat him by like three or four points. Um, you know, so you know it was a bigger. You know, we we've tended to struggle at Attica in the past couple of years. Um, you know, it used to be one of our primary tracks that we were good at, and now we're still struggling. And and, and it's not a struggle to where we're awful. We're just third fourth third fourth third fifth we just can't get over that little bit of a lip i I, kind of know what that's like a little bit of a lip yeah scott mr second place hammer yeah Yeah, bridesmaid that's what i was getting called a lot how bad uh how bad was, was your car um, Chassis got some, uh, you know, some needs needed attention. Uh, matter of fact, we switched cars for this weekend um, due to the fact that we weren't going to be able to get it fixed in time. Um, you know, front axle, front wings, um, re- right rear tire and wheel. Um, I mean, it wasn't the extent of what Travis had, um, but 
uh, yeah, but he won. Yeah, he won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, we got it fixed. Uh, we're ready to go. Matter of fact, the boys are probably out there, um, you know, having us on the on the laptop and and loading up right now. So um, we'll be ready. We are not going to run tomorrow night. Uh, we will run Saturday night only. Um, but we will have um, basically a new car there that uh, the RPM chassis um, they build us, and uh, we'll go into it and see what happens. Why not tomorrow night? I got some uh, prior to commitments. Um, okay. We we set a schedule. Nothing racing really. No, 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 no. Okay. We have a, um, our family um, and our racing team sets a schedule at the beginning of the season, and we're very strict by it. Um, and that's how we budget things. Um, but we at the end of, middle of the season, to the end of the season, we look at some things and we said, hey, let's add a couple. You know, we're doing really well, or we're we're better off here or there. Let's add a couple races. Well, we added those to the schedule, but I forgot to add them to another schedule and plan something, and that trumps. So. All right. Well, you're in the points race. Uh, well, you're the point leader at uh, Fremont, and they have their championship coming up, but not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, does that weigh into anything with uh, this weekend's plans? Or No, not really. I mean, um, you just got to go into it as another race. You start thinking about the points and things happen that shouldn't happen, and you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. So you're not um, doing anything different to prepare no. for that final nope, race? No, we just go into it like we would normally. Um, you know, I'm into that pressure situation where, you know, the game's on the line, give me the ball. Um, and that's what we're in, and you know we'll go out, and you know the ultimate goal is to win. It's uh, I think it was sixty-eight points. Is that what you got? Something like that. Um, and I and I honestly so that's don't, a pretty good. It's a comfortable. It's lead. a it's a cushion. Um, but it's not guaranteed. No, though, no. So. It, and with Cap and and with uh, Stewart and those guys, you can't ever have a night off. If you have a night off, you're you're losing. And and, and uh, the four car's been really fast. Um, and the thirty-five car winning a championship. You know he's not slow either right now. So. Just go into it and see what happens. All right. You're pretty confident, though? I, I mean, I'm confident, but, you know, I've been there. I've lost uh, – I lost the fast championship um, on a tiebreaker. We started third, power steering broke um, throughout the whole race, and I ran it, and I got passed on the last lap. We ended up tying for the points with Byron Reed, and Byron had more wins than I did, so he got the points championship out of it. Um, tiebreaker, it's a rule. That's a hard problem. Um, so I've, I've been on both ends, so I know anything can happen. Now, do you have uh, track championships there? I have two at, two at Fremont, and I think two at uh, Attica and two Fast. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we've won, we've won one championships or one championship. You've won at all. enough. You're fine. Yeah, there's, there's always that one. Up. You know, you always like more, um, you know, ultimately to, you know, be, you know, a multi-time track champion. All right. Uh, what's uh, what was what would you consider your most memorable race? Oh man! Um, With the exception of uh, Friday's race, yeah, <laughs> that one will stick out for a while. Um, I, the one that always comes back to me is the uh, win over Stevie Smith at Attica for the All Star win. Um, I mean, we we beat him coming out of turn four on the last lap. Um, you know, and, and for an All Star win, my only one um, at this point, and uh, it's been. It's something that I, I I still have the video. I watch it, um, and I and it's something that I always will remember. Um, so I think that one probably trumps most of them. Um, there's probably a bunch of them in there that are pretty close. Um, but eighteen years, you say you've been racing? Yeah, it's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's it's a lot to sort through. It's a lot to sort through, and and that one probably ranks up there with the top one. Okay, which uh, which what track do you consider your home track, or do you consider both Attica and Fremont your home track? I consider both of them that, but if you know somebody asks me what my closest one of my favorite, you know, one that is locally the the one I go to is Fremont. Um, I mean, it's 15 minutes down the road. I've been there since I was five years old. Um, you know, and I'll always keep going there. 
you get to any other uh, tracks this summer? Uh, we've been to Sharon. We've been to Mercer. Um, I believe Eldora is going to be later, um, you know, down the road. We've been to, uh, where else have we been? Um, Wayne, or, um, Waynesfield. Places like that that we enjoy. My, my favorite um, is uh, Port Royal. Over in Pennsylvania, when I got to travel there, it's is that one of the Pennsylvania Posse tracks? That is. Um, <laughs> I don't necessarily consider it a full on. It's not a Williams Grove, um, but uh, it's one of the racetracks I really enjoyed racing at. It's big, it's fast, but it gets slick, so it gets competitive. Um, and uh, you're driving on a backstretch, and the wall's not much higher than your knee, um, and it's house after house after house because it's in a city or a little town. Really. Um, so if you get too far off the backstretch and you flip down a backstretch, you're gonna be in, you know, somebody's living room. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> living room. So it's it's a pretty <laughs> cool place Hi. to see. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we had a question here on, oh. on Facebook. Uh, let me find it here. Uh, Mike Noble wants to know what's uh, the number one thing that makes Craig a great driver. Oh man. <laughs> That's uh, an easy question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Coming to the checker, he doesn't lift. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I mean, if I had to, you know, put things in perspective of my ratings is, is being able to be consistent um, and, and uh, being able to, you know, I'm not going to be a guy that's going to bang up against cushion for 30 laps and, and put everything on the line, um, you know. But what I try to tend to say that I like to do and be proud of is, is you know, the car might not be perfect, but, you know, I might salvage a fifth or sixth out of it. Um, and, and some drivers might not do, but the nights that it's a decent car, they run second or third, that driver is going to put it in victory lane. So I'm, I would say I'm a conservative driver to a certain point. Um, but I'm never going to quit on it. Um, the car could be absolutely awful and I'm going to try to figure out why it's awful, you know, so we can fix it. Um, I'm not going to pull in. I'm not going to figure, you know, just quit on anything. I've never been that. Um, I like to get everything I can out of a car. So I guess, you know, consistency and in, in the never die spirit, I guess, is what makes me a good race car driver. You feel you're faster the last ten laps than you are the first ten. Yeah, I'm definitely a forty to fifty lap racer. Um, yep. I've All I've right. been told many times I should have been a pavement guy to run you know open wheel where it's a longer race because the longer the race gets in it, the more rhythm I get into it, and the faster I get. Um, you know, the the heat races are always have been my struggle. Just you got to go there as fast as possible and as quick as you can and it's just not me, and you know, the older I get, the worse it's getting. That's I understand. A problem. Have you ever done any pavement racing? I did it twice. Um, in a sprint? Yes, uh, three hundred five at Sandusky, okay. um, and I boiled the brakes every time. Um, we took a pay or a dirt race car over there with four pavement tires. I think we ran second or third, and I want to maybe a Buchanan was the name. Um, it you know it was one of them. We had a random night that we were bored. Um, and, and I loved it. I just didn't see a career path or any, it wasn't, it wasn't dirt racing to me. Sandusky's an interesting place to run though. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, it's a, I mean, I think they consider that a half mile, right? Come on, go ahead. How many times have you, 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 every time you bring up Sandusky, it's gotta it's just, be the, it's just I'm the guy fun, that wins every day on New Year's it's, Day. It's just a fun, yeah. it's just a fun place to <laughs> it, race. It is, it, but he's right though. I mean, it, it's yeah. not a normal, it's, it's laid out differently. Um, you know, the backstretch seems like you're going on it for a mile, um, you know, and, it, and it, the, the corners look like they're sweeping, but they're tighter than what they look like. One and two can be a challenge. Three yeah. and four are it's just, pretty just, fast. Yeah, yeah, three and four is just normal, but you get all that speed down the front stretch and you, you got to get it into one. And, and, you know, I've seen people end up in a cornfield there off of one. Um, you know, so, on ice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's different racing <laughs> yeah. for me. 
<laughs> now, uh, have you run uh, any uh, wingless races? Oh, I did once, and it was a disaster. Yeah. So, um, so you're not a fan of the wingless? I love watching it. Okay. Um, I can't drive it. Um, and, and I've never had an opportunity in a normal car, let's put it this way. The car that I got to race for was with for Dick Sable, and you know, I, I love that he put me in it to try it. It was a non-down tube, split tube car. So it had, instead of 30-inch torsion bars across the front for suspension, it had 15-inch bars. And they were stacked tubes. It was it was a car that, I don't know. Well, John Ivey drove it at the Mopar Million when they had it down there. They almost made the show. So it was a good car. I just wasn't. The two of you didn't match. No, I couldn't get the front end on the ground. I couldn't back it in. I was just a mess. Um, I'd like to try it one more time, but I would like to try it not against the USAC so I didn't go in there and get destroyed. <laughs> You know, to get some laps, but uh, it's just, I have a hard time just, you know, crashing and it's not even your fault. You just go in there and flip and now I'll just stick yeah. to my wings. Those crutches on the top are helpful. You talk about non-wing. Maybe you can give us some insight. Uh, one of our late model racers headed off to Pennsylvania last weekend to race against his brother. Brian Ruhlman uh, bought a sprint car and uh, raced uh, I, and I understand it's like a crate sprint car. Maybe I thought it was I, at Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure they have a crate late model or a crate sprint car. What they end up putting a crate, I don't know what motor is a 602 or maybe even have like a, a spec 305 in it. Um, but then they they run non-wing there, um, spec tires, spec shocks, everything. Um, and it's a non-wing race car. I mean, it, it's it's completely. You know, like they would for USEC, but it's just cost dependent. You know, it, it saves people a lot of money. Uh -huh. you know? But uh, yeah, that the the wingless. I mean, the axles are different, the front axles are different, the the cars are different, the suspensions are different. I mean, you just the so you the, can't just take the wing off of your. No, car? you just you can. <laughs> you're just you can be competitive, but it's not the the right way to do it. If you're going to do it, you go get a five bar car um, and and race it. Um, but you either got to really be committed to one or committed to the other. Now, like Brian Smith in our area, he does it, um, and he and he's good at it. Same car, same car. Um, but he's you know he's been doing it a while, so he knows the son of the adjustments. Now I'm sure he wishes he could have a few extra you know adjustments that he could that limit it because of the dirt, the wing stuff. But uh, he would be the guy to be able to tell you, hey, you know, and this is what you need to do with this, and this is what you need to do here, and and the changes you would need to make. I think. Uh... Brian went to race his brother Chad, and I think Chad beat him, didn't he? Oh, he did. Chad okay. won, and Brian ran third. Hmm. All right, so that's not too bad. But no. first time, first ever, time in it, ever yeah. in a sprint car. You can't beat that. <laughs> uh, now it really wasn't his first time because he did have a little tune-up session the week before. But, he had some practice. But, yeah, but, um, but not with other cars on the track. So what's less left uh, for Craig Mintz uh, in 2018? Uh, we got uh, Attica Saturday night. And we got, you're, you're doing. Or, yeah, you're doing that Saturday night, yep. and then Fremont uh, the following Saturday for the championship, right? Yep, and then we have the weekend after that. We're at Fremont on uh, Friday and Saturday, which is the Jim Ford Classic, uh, which is also the fast finale. Um, and then I believe we run uh, the 21st at Eldora um, for the, it's the second night, I think, of the Four Crown. Uh, the All-Stars are there. Right. So we'll be down there for that. Um, and I believe at that point we'll be done for the season. Um, and, um, you know, kind of move on into the following. 
what's uh what's up for uh 2019 anything different kind of the same thing? i don't know um i haven't uh when do you make that schedule that you follow strictly uh, oh it'll be somewhere in the middle of december january but okay. i mean our schedules for fremont attica don't come out until february and and, and it's hard to make that des- decision um you know most of it's a lot of it to talk that's to my a, that's crew. a good point yeah it's hard yeah. to make your schedule until the track schedule yeah and and then uh you know so a lot of things like that are, are needed to be talked about within a crew um i mean i gotta have a crew before i'm doing anything and these guys take time away from their family before you know to work with us so um you know i don't see us racing as much um is what we did this year um but uh i don't see us fully shutting the doors either so you're gonna run for any uh track championships no, or anything? I, I think we did it this year to prove that we could still do it to ourselves okay. um you know the, the points racing is is fun in many aspects but man is it rough in a lot of areas you know there's nights that you don't you, you might have something else going on with your family or something else and you're missing it or you know it's 103 degrees in the middle of july and you should be home in the air conditioner instead of in a fire suit so those nights like that i would have like you know what let's just sit around a campfire and and not go and but you're forced to because you're out of for points so i like the non-running points you know okay how many uh how many guys you have uh, helping you out on your crew um i got my dad um kevin shamo uh rich witty uh, my grandfather um and kemp tyson um so i mean we have four to five um and everybody's got their own deals my dad and kevin you know they really work on engines uh, myself and rich we work on race cars you know the actual race car itself um rich is responsible for tires things of that nature so we all have our own little you know due diligence of what we have to do per week um we have a checklist of, of things of the, that what we have to get done and and kemp uh um with his family he's more the racetrack type guy um shows up and gives us an extra hand when we're there um kemp's been around my my family for forever so. any sponsors you want to talk about um eagle ignition leads out of australia um i mean a lot of people won't know a lot about them um but they're a primary sponsor uh real geese decoys ks sales and service uh kistler engines uh angelina's um you know uh russ over there at rpm chassis you know those guys have made a huge huge impact on us this year um simpson race products uh, atl tanks you know we're, we're we're really blessed to have a great group of people to come along and help us um and uh you know my wife you know, she she sits here and, be, and is quiet the whole time, but she does a lot for this race team more than what many people think, and, and she doesn't get enough credit. So. We talked uh, before we went on the air about some of the changes coming in sprint car chassis and uh, looks like some additional expenses along those lines. Tell us what's going on. Well, I believe um, in 2019 they're going to make a chassis adjustment to where um, you'll have to have an added bar to the safety on both sides of the safety cockpit that'll be uh, mounted vertically to help any collapsing. Um, Then I believe we start getting into stuff that's unnecessary, if you're going to ask me straight up. Um, Uh, And and what is that? In in the late model field, we've we've been faced with some changes that had never really been an issue. Uh, and they're fixing things that maybe didn't exist. And and I understand that's where some of the resistance is coming from with your cars. And I, and I think it's the same thing. I mean, last year it was the wheel covers. We went from three bolts to five bolts. And, and, and they've and got a bolt on? Now they bolt on. Or if you if you go with five, you can use Zeus's. You can use three, but they got to be bolts. And, and to me, I'm like, I've never in 18 years had one come off. Um you know, and then, you know, like this year, we're going to run a steel left front radius rod. 
And, and for me, they're already aluminum, and they're as strong as you know what it's going to be. I don't. I, I that one I didn't get. Um, you know, the, the, they're making us run a three-point bumper system rather than a two. I, we've always run a three-point to begin with so that isn't going to affect us the tethers that we just bought that were mandated i believe in 16 or 17 maybe 16 that aren't cheap um that had to be bought by a specific or from a specific company um now we got to buy basically the same ones but they mount differently does the same thing in my eyes um there's positives to both there's negatives to both the kinds um there can be an argument all the way down the line now uh i believe they're also making a fuel fuel cell um, tether to where it keeps the fuel cells on the car from when we're crashing. I haven't seen a prototype of it yet. I'll make that judgment call at that point. I'm no, not a, no significant changes to the fuel cell. No, the fuel cell will stay the same, but what they wanted to do, I believe, is keep them from flying off. Um, but my point is, is I don't really want a bomb strapped to the car if it's flying off to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it, spectator safety. I get it. Um, there's got to be a, a happy medium. I, I, cause when that thing's dumping fuel and it's strapped to the car, I don't want it dumping on me as I'm laying upside down. Um, if it's going to fall off, let it go away. I know I get it. It's heavy. I get it, it's a dangerous object. Um, there's again, got to be something that we can make. Maybe put a, put a 15 foot chain or on just or a something. different cap or, or some way to prevent sure. them from being not leakable um and and that's the problem i think is what's going on so there's some rules that i agree with the safety of the halo or the bars 100 percent approve it okay now have they changed the weight of the cars you're having to go to a a three point uh bars on uh, crash bars uh you've got to go with a, a steel drag link um and the additional bars in the car um no, they they haven't, and and honestly i wish they would go higher i wish they would make these race cars 1450 1500 pounds um you know what we're doing is we're adding more bars to these we're adding more tethers to this what does that do that provides everybody else to make these things lighter in places they shouldn't be lighter in. well exactly and that was the point yep. i was going to make because you're, you're adding what 15 18 maybe 20 pounds to the car but they haven't changed the weight rule at all uh which means that the cars are going to get lighter somewhere to make that minimum and it'll be on rotating weight somewhere, or it'll be on something that is carbon fiber that doesn't need to be carbon fiber, or there'll be something that it's just something I'm a little guy. I don't weigh a lot. I have to add lead weight to our race cars, but I have titanium all over it because it's rotating weight, but I add the lead weight because I got to make weight. Um, you know, I wish, you know, not just because I'm a little guy, but I wish it'd be 1,500 pounds. Um, one, it slows the race cars down. Two, we don't have to run all this lightweight stuff, which cost is outrageous. Um, you know, I mean, just to put bolts, titanium all the way around is 1000 bucks, Just for bolts. Just to bolt stuff just onto, bolts. The, onto the chassis. Do you sell those bolts? I can. <laughs> <laughs> for 1000 bucks, I am. So it, you know, it gets, you know, I just, I think it, I would really like to see, and, and supposedly there's this committee, and, I, and I'm not deep into it because I'm not an outlaw or guy that runs this stuff competitively, but eventually it's going to trickle down to us at the local level. Um, and eventually we're going to have to pay for it. And eventually uh, my voice is not going to be heard anyway. And I don't know if you have watched the late model rules Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. And it was originally started by a a joint committee of the Mm -hmm. sanctioning bodies and they Mm -hmm. all put their heads together and it's been a real nightmare. It, It, to completely outfit a car, uh, 
with the rules that they brought forth, uh, would have added five grand to what we were doing to a car. Uh, it was a NASCAR style cell, uh, a 10 pound fire bottle automatic discharge, uh, uh, door intrusion plates, um, and everything that they were adding uh, would have added five grand to a race car, which would probably have cut the fields in half. And, and that's one of the things that I'm concerned with with the sprint cars. Um, I mean, it, it, when it, when does it get to the point where uh, the the back ten guys say, eh, "Screw this! It's just not worth it anymore." It's already happening. I know guys that are sitting on the sidelines right now that won't race because they don't want to buy the tethers. I know there's two cars sitting in a shop right now that could go 410 racing at local racetracks or with the All-Stars and won't because they don't buy the, buy the tethers. And it serves them even better now because they didn't buy them because now they got to buy new ones anyway. And, and you know, every if you think about this, every race car in America, minus what's on the World of Outlaw Tour, every sprint car is illegal per everyone. Because I don't, I have yet to see anybody that has these certified bars in yet, at least locally. Now I'm sure there's probably 50 cars out there that have these safety bars in it, but now do they have to be installed by any specific? No. Uh, it just has to come within requirements of they'll have measuring bars like they do now. The measures everything, and the gap between the front hail or the front down tubes and rear down tubes, and this bar has to be within a certain dimension. It's got to be on a certain angle, and most. Chassis manufacturers do, like RPM Chassis tweeted out, I think even today or yesterday, that they're already installing it on cars that they're building now for 2019 cars and and now. So all those guys and chassis manufacturers have that dimensions, you know, so they know how to install it. But the problem is, is like race cars of mine. I have two race cars that are really good right now. I have to now take them fully apart, which we would anyway, and now have to have them welded on to make them compliant with this rule i get it it's 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 for safety i'm all for it with with the containment seats and the additional bars is it going to make exit any more difficult it could um for little guys like me no um (laughs) you know i I, i've put doors on sides of it i can slide in and out it's not a problem you get some of the older guys that you know steve kinzer steve yeah if you get a steve kinzer guy that you know is a little overweight or is a bigger dude i mean dale blaney he's not overweight by any means he's just six foot six right you know and it's not easy for him to get in anyway so start adding bars to these things and it's 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 a very fine line between getting too many bars on it and not enough and and we're getting there but i don't think we've gotten there yet obviously it's going to change the way the chassis reacts uh do you think it's going to change setups at all uh, not really i mean it will but i think it's minute um right. and, and little and adjustments little but i think what i like about it is, is it's mandatory by everybody you know so everybody's got to deal with it it's just like a you know a tire rule you know between a, a hoosier a goodyear american racer and all those there was a, a chassis change then, but we all had to do it. It's just who figures it out faster. Right. So it adds that element of racing. That's why we do this, you know. So. All right. Well, let's let's move on, if we may. Do we have to? Well, kind of. It's getting kind of late here. Mm-hmm. No, know? it is. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple uh, other uh, start. Well, actually, before we move into that, is there? A, do you have a website or a Facebook page people can follow? I, you I mean, on? you can get on my my personal Facebook page. I mean, I don't you do post this. any. Updates yeah, I just post there. the stuff. You know, sometimes you might get an insight of what we're doing and stuff like that. You can find a lot about us at the Fast or Free Motor Attic website. So, um, it's a pretty simple search of Google. Um, everybody's already got that down. I think so. Uh, unless you're Trump and he thinks that uh, Google's out to get him. Yeah. uh, That's another. Yeah. And and Facebook (laughs) and Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, uh, back to Mansfield uh, on uh, the Dirt Million. They had a, a window in the tower, got shattered oh. by a rock on, on Friday night in the very first heat. And apparently it rained glass down on the bleachers below, but uh, the glass shards were small enough that nobody actually got injured down there. But I've got to believe pretty, it was safety glass anyway. Which probably, was. yeah. So they had that issue. That put a little bit of a delay. They cleared uh, that out, cleaned it up, and basically made everybody move to uh, another location. And then uh, they had another issue on Saturday night with a flagman uh, mm. was hit uh, in his left eye by a clog of dirt and knocked him to the floor of the uh, flag stand, bringing out the red flag um, just past the halfway point of that race. And he got checked out by the medical crew, stood back up, and went back at it. So, Scott, you I've ha- seen that happen, too. Yeah, that happened yeah. at Oakshade uh, at least once. You've you've tried flagging once. Um, I, luckily, I didn't get hit by anything, and once was good. Yeah. Good enough. Didn't have your safety glasses, I either. did not. Well, I was not prepared for that. Um, Justin Allgaier won at Road America in the Xfinity race. That's, uh, uh, the Monster Energy Cup Series was off, uh, but the Xfinity Series was at Road America. Bill, El- Bill Elliott was in that race. He ended and, up finishing 20th. Yeah. He could have. He was seventeenth, and then I guess he got turned around late in the race, but uh, and fell back to twenty eighth and came back. So any any interest in running any more races, or was that just for a him, one-off? Uh, I saw something that said he's not ready to uh, hang it up yet. So right. I mean, there no immediate plans, but he's not officially retired either. So fifty two years old. Um, what is that, is that? What he fifty two? How old is he? He's I don't know. He's like a hundred. 130? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say 60s. Oh, yeah, he's at least 60s. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe 62. I, he's at least 60, I think. All right. Wow. Um, Kyle Bush teammates, did you see the uh, truck race finish? I did not. Uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Kyle Bush uh, teammates Noah Gregson and uh, Todd Gilliland uh, wrecked each other coming off the final corner. Uh, a little bit different than what happened mm-hmm. at, at Attica there because they were teammates. Yep. And uh, third place uh, finisher Justin Haley, actually not finisher, third place uh, runner got by them and, and won the race because they took each other out. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Yeah, anyway, Gregson took uh, took the heat. He said it. He originally, initially, he said it was his fault. He was the one that tried to get to the inside where there wasn't much room. But then he saw the video and said that uh, uh, Gillen didn't leave him any room. So I don't. know. It could be an ongoing thing. I don't know. Craig understands that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I watched the video and it's. He went for it. Yeah, um, it was. A, it's the end of the race. The, the you know the the Gillens shut the door and he went for it. He probably shouldn't have went for it. But <laughs> doing what a race driver gets paid to do. He gets paid to win races. You you get paid to pass yep. cars. But yep. as a as an owner though, and you see your two yeah. cars racing for the lead, you're like, all right, just finish, just but, win the race. Don't don't uh, don't yeah. do what that what just happened. And then it turns into Formula One, where then you have team orders, oh, and yeah. then it's not as well, much you don't fun. want that. No. Uh, NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series is back in action this weekend at Darlington. I guess there's going to be a lot of uh, throwback paint schemes. I think I saw yep. a Jeff Gordon one, and uh, I don't know. That, that starts at 6 o'clock on Sunday night on NBCSN. Will Power won the Gateway uh, race last weekend. IndyCar will have the Grand Prix of Portland on Sunday. That's at 3. Very uh, good. NBCSN. NBC, How about we let's, check out the weekend weather uh, pit stop? Let's, let's talk about the weather. All right. <laughs> This is your weekend weather pit stop forecast. 
I'm First Alert meteorologist Ryan Weekman. We've got some cool, gorgeous conditions to start off this weekend. Down at Attica, Friday evening, temperatures are going to be in the mid to upper 70s with low humidity. A gorgeous evening down at the raceway. Let's move on to Saturday where races continue at Attica. we got Flat Rock, Oakshade, Waynesfield all underway Saturday evening. Should be another really gorgeous night. Humidity is going to tick up a few Temperatures are going to be in the mid 80s during the afternoon, but should settle back down in the upper 70s by the time most races begin. And for Sunday down at Eldora, another really nice day. It's going to get a little bit steamier, though, with high temperatures back well into the 80s at times could approach 90 degrees. All in all, some gorgeous weather for your weekend races. This has been your weekend weather pit stop forecast. Be sure to download that free first alert weather app. We'll keep you updated on the heat that does return for the first week of September. I'm first alert meteorologist Ryan Weekman. Uh, don't forget record report coming up at the very end of the show in just a little bit. Uh, also, we got to play how many. How many what? Exactly. How many last week was how many late miles were going to be at Mansfield? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, you, wait, I did not win. Kathy had uh, 104. I said 101. You said 96. There was 77. Told you a few guys that had pre-entered wouldn't be there, so. There you go. Well, that and the it, Saturday was pretty iffy with the, with the forecast anyway, mm -hmm. so. Um, this week, our how many is, how many, uh, how many, Four tens are we going to get at Attica on Saturday night? You get you get to play in this one. This uh, is a fast series race. All Saturday All, all -Star. Star. Ooh, man, it's the Dirt Classic. Ooh, <laughs> um, forty-two. Forty-two is the answer to life and everything. Yep, good answer. Go ahead, Scott. I'm going to go with forty-three. 47. Ooh, big number. All right. Well, we'll see. It's a big deal race. You win absolutely nothing. So Hey, that's fun. That's it. That's, it. <laughs> that's bragging rights. Yeah, exactly. Coming up this weekend, uh, of course, uh, we're just talking about Attica Raceway Park. It's the uh, Attica Ambush Dirt Classic, uh, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, tomorrow night, they have uh, the All-Stars along with uh, late models, and it's 2,000 to win for the late models plus double points in season championship for the late models at Attica. Um, Saturday, it's the, uh, 305 sprints, uh, joining the all-stars and, uh, Friday night gates open at four racing 745 general mission tickets, 22 bucks Saturday night gates open at three racing at seven and uh, tickets still 22. Bucks. No, Craig, you said that the sprint cars just get appearance points for this weekend, correct? We would be done, um, at Attica. So like ours, our point series ended last week okay. and then with the dirt million going on, they bumped the late models to this weekend. Okay. Um, I believe that was in the schedule already, and then the Dirt Million came out, and then they bumped them back so all the late model guys could go down there and race and support Mansfield for, you know, putting on a good event. Sure. Cool there. Uh, Flat Rock is in action on Saturday night with uh, Danny's Transport School Bus Figure 8 race. Uh, they're going to have the school bus figure 8, the boat figure 8, the flagpole race, street stocks, and the regular figure 8s. There's going to be a lot of 8s. Racing uh, will start actually a special time on uh, Saturday. It's going to be at 6 instead of 7. Can I ask what a flagpole race is? You can. And I, we asked that when uh, we had uh, Scott Schultz in here from right. Toledo Speedway. I mean, I've raced a bus. I've raced a lot of things, but I've from, never from the been way around a flagpole. It was described as they race, but then there's like a pole, 
and they when they're going around they do a lap and then they come around they got to go around the pole and then continue on so it's so another it's turn inside it's, of it. it's, so it's a like, it's like a, kind of like, like a, a double up yeah oh okay so they got oh <laughs> okay how would you like to do that with sprint cars no <laughs> somebody said one time we should go backwards and nope nope let's just keep what we're going Jen, well if Philo went backwards and uh, yeah, no, he, he went backwards for ten feet. It That's worked for him. <laughs> General admission tickets are seventy bucks at uh, Flat Rock Oakshade in action with American Late Model Series two thousand to win. Uh, Sportsman bombers and compacts gates open to four racing at seven twelve dollar general admission there Waynesfield also in action. It is their season closer final event at Waynesfield Raceway Park. Uh, non wing sprints, UMP modifieds, mini sprints, tough trucks, compacts, gates open at five, racing at seven, uh, $12 general admission there. And then Sunday, it's the Baltas Classic at Eldora Speedway, American Late Model Series, UMP modifieds, and the Eldora Stocks. Gates open at 3.30, racing at 7.30, and uh, tickets for that are 15 bucks. So that's pretty much it. Uh, that's all I got. That was a good rundown. Thanks, thanks for uh, coming in. Uh, thanks for having me. Had fun. Learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you get uh, some race car drivers and you put a mic in front of them. Some of them clam up. Some of them and just talk. Some of them do. Up. That's true. Yeah, yeah. but so. uh, yeah, Craig Mintz uh, again. You're going to be at uh, Attica Saturday and then the follow. Fremont's off this weekend. Yep. Still because of the fair, I believe. Right. Yeah. Well, I think they 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 take that week off also and after then, the fair. Then what's really nice is Fremont and Attica work together. Yeah. So when one's off, the other one's you know putting on a big event and vice versa. So so Fremont um, will be back in action uh, the, the following, following week, Saturday. So. Yep. And that's our points night and uh, encourage everybody to come out and see us go. And for those of you that have stuck around, uh, we have a little bonus segment for you: a repeat of the infamous Wrecker Report. Featuring Tony Stewart. I think I think this is it. We'll, we'll Maybe find, we'll find out. Yeah. Welcome to the Record Report. Under caution. Tonight on the show we have Tony Stewart, NASCAR legend and owner of Eldora Speedway. This weekend at Eldora is the dream. Tony, what are your goals? For a successful event. If we haven't crashed at least 50% of the field by the end of the race, we need to extend the race till we at least crash 50% of the cars. Because it's it's not fair to these fans for them to not see any more wrecks than that and more tour of cars. I mean, we, we still had over half the cars running at the end, and it's, uh, it shouldn't be that way. Wow, okay. What are your plans for the rest of the races you have scheduled at Eldora this summer? I mean, I think if we could make it a figure eight, it'd be perfect. It would absolutely be perfect here. Wow, okay, that definitely sounds like a lot of carnage. Um, are there any other rule changes coming along with this? I think we ought to just tape them off solid and run them until they blow up anyway. I think it'd make it a lot more exciting for the fans. You seem so angry, like when you used to race with Joey Logano in NASCAR. What made you so mad all the time? What the hell do you think I was mad about? Dumb little s- runs us clear down to the infield. He wants to b- about everybody else, and he's the one that drives like a little b- I'm going to bust his ass. If you could go back and race NASCAR one more time, what would you do? Yeah, it would have been a lot more fun if I could have got caught up in one more wreck. If I could have done that, it would have been perfect. What do you think about William Byron moving up to a cup car this year? Uh, the kid's an idiot. He wins one bush race, and he's a cup driver now. Well, that's about all the questions I have for you, Tony. Is there anything you would like to dedicate this interview to? This one's for every one of those fans in the stands that pull for me every week and take all the bullshit from everybody else.
Well, that's all I have for this week's report, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, we don't take ourselves seriously, and neither should you. There's only two kinds of race engines. Ones that are blown up, and ones that are going to blow up. It's probably time to check your valve lash. There you go. Yeah, that was from back in, uh, right before the dream. That was our last record report. That was, uh... He no. set the bar pretty high with that one. Yeah, but, uh... That was a good one. Some some of the <laughs> so other now you know what the record yeah, report is. Some, that's some that. of the other ones not so much, but that that, that was, one was a good that one. one was that was excellent. All right. Well, we'll be back in action next week, Thursday night, seven o'clock. Catch us on Facebook Live. Check out HammerdownRacingReport.com. We got links to our Facebook there as well as uh, our our iHeart Radio channel or podcast thing, whatever you want to call it. Or you can just go to iHeartRadio on your own, type in Hammerdown Racing Report, and you can find us that way as well. So, again, coming at you from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio. Uh, that's that's about it. That's so it. Make sure to call Ron there. Please we'll do. Another plug. 734-856-7223. I'm getting tired of ramen noodles. We could, uh, we could use a little pickup there. I thought you'd been busy, though. Just making friends, Scott. No oh, money. Whatever. So again, Craig, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Had, had a great time. We ran, we ran long again. Yeah. And hey, that's, that's, fine. that's fine. And uh, good luck uh, Saturday night at Thank you. Uh, Attica. And, uh, yeah, definitely. And same at uh, Fremont next week. Yeah. We'll, Hopefully uh, you get that championship. Yeah, we'll go at it as hard as we can go. All of our listeners, we've got big weekend of racing. Uh, make sure you make it to a race somewhere. And bring a friend. And bring a friend. There you go. Yes. All right. Again, we'll catch you next week, Thursday, 7 o'clock, the next Hammerdown Racing Report. It'll be show number 49. We're gone. We're out. Have a good one. You have been listening to the Hammerdown Racing Report from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio. Listen on demand on iHeartRadio. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.